0: Welcome to Behind the Lectern. Since 2006, your host, Jeff Klein, has been working with speakers at all levels, from beginners to Toastmasters International Award winners, from experts to National Speaker Association Hall of Famers. In each episode, Jeff introduces you to some of these speakers as you learn about their speaker journey, how they got started, where they came from, where they're going, and more. Take the lessons they have learned on their way to help you with your own path to make speaking work for you. Let's get started.
1: Hi everybody, Jeff Klein here with another episode of Behind the Lectern. I'm excited to to welcome you for Valentine's episode. This is uh with Eco the Wandering Love Mystic. Hey Eco, how you doing?
2: Pretty good overall, Jeff. I appreciate you going and talking to me. Uh uh, today on Valentine's Day, which is you know, definitely about love and connection, and especially love of self.
1: Excellent, excellent. So, um, yeah, tell just tell us a little bit about how uh, how this whole love the love mystic gets started.
2: <laughs> sure. So it started for me over a little over eighteen years ago when I first started delving into really uh deeply diving into sex love and relationships and okay. for me I, I wanted to go and figure out how relationships uh actually how they worked how they um how they functioned how to go and attract partners for myself and within that i found uh one of the th- first resources uh, I, I came about was a, a book called double your dating by david d'angelo a- and with that Uh, There was a premise that was put forth uh, of that there were women out there that I could go and approach, that uh, I could go and say, I want to date you, I want to be sexual with you, and I don't want to be exclusive. And that there were women and other people out there that would actually be okay with that. Got it. And with that, uh, it was my first introduction into ethical non-monogamy and being like, this is a thing that's possible. Haven't been born raised in the in the Midwest. So I had no idea and didn't have any kind of concept for that.
1: Yeah, I should I should let everybody know we're gonna be talking about some things today that are non traditional. So yes. uh, I don't think there's any children listening, but you know, just th- there's our, there's our little uh, disclaimer slash warning. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly, this will be an adult content episode for Valentines.
2: <laughs> yes, the, the, the content is for adults this particular time. Thank you um, for that. Uh, so so from the some of the things that I learned from that book, I uh, started doing some online dating. And from that uh, attracted a woman who had put out a Craigslist ad when you still could go and do that for the personal ads that said, uh, Prometheus was bound for all of eternity this girl only wants to be tied up for a single lap. And, and from that, I, I wrote her <clears> back referencing the um, story of Prometheus from Greek mythology that she was talking about, uh, telling her how I would go and bind her for her sins against humanity, I would soak the fires within her, and by the end of the hour, she'd be begging for release, though not from her restraints. Wow. And th- that uh got her attention enough that uh, I ended up getting together with her and we started dating. That was my first foray into the, the BDSM and kink realm, which I also found was a natural expression. Uh, of yeah, not
1: anything they teach in 7th grade or 3rd grade sex ed or whatever in n- school. Not not
2: currently, no. At least that I'm aware of as of yet. Uh, so within that, uh, it, we go on skip ahead um for a while I, I i do more of my own personal day and and find out okay here's what i need here's what i, I like and desire for myself and going into that I, I fall into being uh into doing relationship coaching and finding a, a passion and a calling and helping people go and dive into what it is that their heart and soul desires, helping them become okay with wanting what their heart wants.
1: You know, we both know lots of coaches who teach people to be who they want to be and be who they are and ask for what they want, but they never really talk about the kind of things that, that, you're, that you talk about.
2: And uh, within the, the, the sexuality realm, it actually influences a, a lot of other areas of life. And people don't always n- recognize uh, how that actually goes and comes across. Yet. Uh, when you, you have that um, certain confidence and uh, have that congruency, it can make a, a huge difference in how you come across in other areas of your life, including as a speaker or in your business.
1: And this has very little to do with things like disc. You know, you're you can be a dominant as far as disc goes. Or not that's not the right. What does sorry? What does D stand for in disc?
2: Um, I, I'm less familiar I, with this system. I, I know of it, which I, I no. I, th- yeah, I think it, yeah. Is. I think
1: yeah. I want. I think it. I'll have to look it up. I think I want to say it does stand for dominant, but it's a different kind of dominant than in a BDSM dominant. For sure. Right. For sure. Yes. Um, but being a dominant personality in the workplace and in in mm-hmm. daily life where, uh, the you know, the, again, the D and disc is all about the person who's in charge and the person who wants quick answers and doesn't want messy, doesn't deal with the messy details. And I'm, I'm listening only because in the disc system, I am a high D, practically 100 percent, and then mm-hmm. high I. Um, as well. And so I'm going to, I'm going to have to look it up now for the, uh, so we, we, so we use the terms accurately here in the, during the, during the conversation (laughs) with, uh, with eco, but I want to make sure what what I'm getting to, yeah, D is dominance, I is influence, uh, S is steadiness, and C is communicator or let's say something like that. And, and so what I'm getting at for folks is that the, the dominance inside disk doesn't determine somebody's uh, sexual proclivities or preferences.
2: Not at all. Uh, One of the interesting uh, things that I've discovered is that usually those who are at the, the top of an organization, like um, CEOs, uh, and those who usually have to make a lot of decisions, they have a lot of, of um, power and control over their company. It's more common uh, for them to actually uh, in the bedroom to actually be more on the submissive side, because a- a- after spending yeah. like each day, every day, having to make uh, a lot of big decisions or things that really affect people's lives uh, uh, for a lot of them uh, it is like, I just want to surrender. I want to let go. I want to let someone else go and take control and me not have to go and think. Right. And just
1: so those people are jumping out of their chicks, C is conscientiousness. So, sorry, <laughs> dominance, influence, steadiness, conscientiousness. Uh, and you're, you know, that, you know, we see on uh, like TV shows and things like that where the CEO will have been, you know, in, 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 in the off at a, uh, you know, off at a dungeon or something getting, you tied up or, or flogged or something like that. And, and that's exactly what you're talking about. They want to give up control because they're always in control every other time. So the workplace personas have, I mean, while, while we're all, you know, whole people and we holistic people and all that, they don't relate to uh, direct, there's no, there's not a direct correlation the kind of conversation we're talking about and and where how people want to be in their marriage or in their bedroom
2: yeah and uh while there isn't a direct correlation it is definitely connected because yes what i found is that when you are actually sexually satisfied when it is that you are happy in your relationships um when it is that you feel confident that um, you actually have the, the love and support uh, of those around you and you're able to be congruent within yourself. It does come across in your business and in your work, how you come across in your presentations, how it is that you come across uh, in the boardroom um, to go and people.
1: You know, that's, that's really important, Nico, the, the fact that whatever it is that satisfies you between two or more adults, Um, does make you a better person in public. If you're happy at home, you're a better boss, you're a better partner, you're a better team member, uh, everything else, you know, once, once, and again, some people struggle with getting comfortable with whatever that thing is that makes them happy. But, uh, and and the other thing I want to, that came to to my mind as we're talking about this is that so much that, even when you're talking about somebody who enjoys uh, pain or, or something like that, it's all done with love. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It, it
2: all comes down to, once again, consent. And uh, that is a, a very pivotal thing, especially in the BDSM realm. And when I came across uh, the, the kink realm 18 years ago, one of the things that kind of blew my mind was... The idea that before any kind of play happens, that you come together as equals and negotiate what it is that you each want to experience and do with one another. And I thought, how much simpler would it be in dating life in general if we could actually just have this open, honest conversation of here's the things that I like. Here's the things that I'm curious about that I might want to go and try with you. And here are the things that are just going to upset me or piss me off. Uh, otherwise known as hard limits, so we're not going to go and do that,
1: yeah. And and I mean, they they literally and people don't realize this have a contract, not everybody, but a lot of people enter into a an on paper contract with those things you're talking about.
2: And some people do have that written out, yes. Uh, uh others just go by verbal uh agreements, uh, other people. Uh, do more of like a, a checklist. And there are some wonderful checklists that are they're out there of like different kind of activities, uh, which is a useful thing for being able to delve into discovering what it is that you want or what you the think f- you might want to try.
1: Yeah, the first time that I uh, had a real personality test, or not test, but anyway, personality study done. And I got this eight page printout of all the things that that uh, and nothing to do with sexuality, just here's here's how to be a good boss for Jeff. Here's how to be a good employee for Jeff. And, you know, here's how to work with Jeff. I'm like, can I give this to somebody before a first date? <laughs>
2: you, you can, you, you know, you, you, well, you,
1: so you... far, I've never I haven't really found a way to to introduce that. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but maybe maybe I should. Well, uh here's what
2: I'll go and say. The 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 woman who I, I spoke with that um had that ad um for the um for the uh, the Yeah, just wanted. me up for an hour, wanted. Yeah. Yeah. That um at the end of that first date, she actually printed me out a one page um little trifold because she she printed it out which literally had um her her likes her curiosities and her heart limits on it wow and, and she had told me that a former dominant of hers had um had had her go and make that for him uh, and more for her own knowledge and she said it was like one of the most challenging things and the, also one of the most va- uh, valuable things that she'd ever done for herself and she literally at the end of the day handed me that piece of paper so I could actually know th- th- those, those things about her. And it's like, wow, that was amazing.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, and they, uh, I think the term that's used in different alternative lifestyles is vanilla people, which is everybody else. Don't do any of that. They, oh. you, you struggle, you, you, you wonder, you, you have painful Sessions in your own head about what your date will like, or what when you get to the point where your you know the relationship turns sexual, and people aren't taught to ask questions.
2: And a big part of this is actually asking questions and being able to actually answer them. And what I've gone, what I have found in my work is that once I've done my inner work to discover this is what I like, this is what turns me on, this is what I desire, and I've also done the work for me being okay with what my heart wants, it becomes really a lot easier to actually articulate those wants, needs, and desires of someone else. If you've not done that work before and someone asks you these questions, you're like, I don't know.
1: Right. And, and, you know, I guess it's okay to not know, I mean, we have to give people permission not to know as well, but it's also, it's okay to not know, but it's then additionally okay to ask.
2: Yes, it is, and that is one of the things uh, that I go and deal with in the uh, congruence part of becoming okay with wanting what your heart wants, of like, having it actually be okay to ask these kind of questions, to talk about these kind of subjects, and because there's a lot of stuff that comes up from religion, uh, from, from communities, from like family traditions, like, no, these are the things that are just done behind closed doors. We don't talk about, we don't reference it ever. This is, you know, private life and like, okay, yes, you have a right to go in privacy. Yes, you don't have to share anything uh, with anyone else that you, that you don't want to. And I, I've also seen that, uh, especially for a lot of feminine um, body people that I've uh, worked with, uh, who have been really good at making themselves into what they think the other person wanted, and not even allow themselves to ever delve into even thinking that they deserve to actually have any wants, needs, or desires themselves.
1: But that becomes a big topic.
2: It can, yes. And while the ideas of uh, of sexuality and consent can seem really simplistic on the surface, when you start delving into all the different possibilities, it gets quite complex. And where I, I love to to work with people, my favorite kind of people to go and work with are, are those that have figured out enough that they're like, I've tried the heterosexual, vanilla, monogamous, dating lifestyle, and it's not really working for me. It's not really happy for me. And I can be like, here is the buffet of all the different things that is possible. Let's work with you to actually find out what you like, what you want, what you desire, and delve into that.
1: Yeah, in a completely confidential way. Absolutely. yes. <laughs> now, touted. Kind of get back to the sub the, the topic of the program. How did you discover that speaking was a way to spread the your message to tell people what you know, or to, to ex- get exposure for Eco?
2: Thank you. Uh, so, with that, I oh, how did it go and answer that question? <laughs> where, where did that go and come into it? With that, I made a a, a realization at one point that, or at least a story, which may or may not be true, that trying to go and save the world one lover at a time really was inefficient. (laughs) And and I uh, eventually um, made a, a promising commitment to the divine that I was going to um dedicate this lifetime to bringing forth this premise of enlightened consent uh, where everything consensual is honored and honoring your authentic truth so you can have relationships that you love and thrive in where that um as long as you and the people that are directly involved are consenting and you're honoring your existing relationship agreements that it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or feels about what it is you're doing together that if I was truly going to go and fulfill that mission and cause this paradigm shift in how humanity relates to sexual and sexual expression, it would need to be done on a speaking level. There would need to be so much more exposure out into the world. And being on stage, being a speaker is one of the one of the easiest ways in most practical ways I can think of to help spread a message. Cause there are only so many people that I can physically see one-on-one in any given day. There you go.
1: Year. And how's that going so far?
2: It is getting more traction and it, it, it is not where I would like to, to be as of yet.
1: Okay. Uh, well, that's but, a good answer. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, what, yeah. so where do you think, or what's your starting point as far as the, the groups that are ready to hear this message? And do you well, want to be in front of groups that may not be ready to hear your message yet?
2: I do. okay. Uh, ultimately. And one of the, the things is that I have started creating my own platforms um, for that. And it's really useful to be able to go and speak to other people's audiences and to be able to actually speak like you're Given me a, a, a platform here to go and speak, and an audience that may or may not be ready to hear this message. I don't know. Yeah. A- and, uh, you know, I can a- also have the learned the skill sets of how to put together my own stages. Like uh, in December of last year, I ran an enlightened consent summit where I actually brought in uh, other experts and other teachers um, and actually had them go and help promote to go and create a stage where not only each of them got to go and have a stage and presence, but I also was able to go and share my viewpoints, um, share some of my points and invite people to go deeper with me as well.
1: And and you promoted that to the, for lack of a better term, general audience. Mm -hmm. So you could, so people who were curious could check it out.
2: It it was a a live summit, and uh, there are a lot of different kinds of stages. And depending upon what it is that you're going for, and one of the things that I'm kind of learning, uh, somewhat the hard way, is that uh, as you're mentioning, not all audiences are are necessarily ready to go and to go and hear me uh, for what I want to go and talk about. Which is okay, and that's where they're at. And I'm learning to be a bit more discerning of what speaking opportunities that I want to go and speak. If you're brand brand new to it, I have a wonderful sales mentor, Eric Lofholm, who advocates for any any time that you're given the opportunity to speak, speak. And if you're not comfortable speaking yet, definitely take that up. After you're more comfortable speaking, you may want to hone it down to who are the people who I really want to go and hear this message and work with the most.
1: I just had an idea that it may be a great idea. It may be a terrible idea, but what if you had a talk titled, the most uncomfortable talk you'll hear this year? Hmm. And the, I, I, I write that down. Yeah, please write it down. And the premise of the talk Eco would be that uh, Eco the Love Mystic will teach you a lot of the terms and and uh, definitions of things you may or may not have heard of and wonder always wondered what they meant. So you would actually do sort of a glossary of you know B and BDSM and you know what's a what's a fetish and uh, you know some things like that. Just twenty minutes of. Of stories and not and definitions that'll make people chuckle, but also make them a little uncomfortable if they don't know about these things. That sounds uh, like a lot of bunch of um, arts of Yeah, Thank yeah, you. and 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 the 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 beauty, and maybe the subtitle is something like uh, um, "Alternative Love Defined." And so, but the people who say yes. How much fun could that be, right? Imagine, imagine you a book to speak to the American Business Women's Association <laughs> with that topic, or the, you know, the Cincinnati Rotary. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But but by booking you, they are cons—they're consenting to talk about it. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't have to be your only topic. It's just an idea of, you know, here's a, t- and you know, here's maybe the, you know, because obviously. You can do a mainstream topic.
2: Oh yeah, uh, you know, easily. You know, I I I've, uh, I was uh, part of Toastmasters um, for like six months or a year. Okay, it yeah. Was, go was, ahead was and share few, share yeah.
1: some of your topic titles with us.
2: I it was several years ago. I don't know or or from. Well, I mean, now what are, what are some of the
1: topic titles now? Before I threw oh. that idea at you. <laughs> sure.
2: I uh, thank you for clarifying what you're asking for. Uh, a, a a recent talk that I gave was a, a intro to energy sex, okay. um, which being able to go and connect and play with one another uh, using our our emotional and spiritual energies, um, and, and which is more in the tantric realm uh, side of things, a, a, and with that, uh, it can be useful as we've all been going through this pandemic for what two years now or so
1: it feels like forever but yeah (laughs) something
2: like that you know and we may not be with the ones we want to go and be with and and what i have found is that one of the wonderful things uh about energy is that it can transmute and uh connect and have visceral impacts um with people even over a computer screen uh so you can actually virtually Go um, and pleasure, and e- even uh, even cause orgasms uh, without ever physically touching people or taking off any clothes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So th- that is a, a fun one that I uh, just presented at. Um, let, let's see, I think it was called "Sensuality, Sex, and Orgasms." That was being put okay. on by Dating Kinky.
1: That what was, was one of your talks for your summit?
2: Um, let's see. At the summit, what did I actually do? Those were mainly focused on on other speakers. Uh, that particular summit um, was for working with the sex educators, relationship coaches, and counter teachers. Okay, um, for that. Um,
1: so you see, skipped I, oh, yourself at your
2: summit. I I, I I kind of I kind of did. I put that together for me because I I wanted to go and have those speakers and and actually be like. I want to go and learn deeper into these subjects, and yeah. I don't want to have to to pay like a dozen different well, well, teachers for it.
1: Sometimes so, that happens, but do, next time, don't forget to do a sec, do a do a session right. yourself.
2: R- right. So uh, I, I do actually have a, a one day summit that I'm going to be um, running myself. That is going to be coming up on May no March March fifth, Saturday, March fifth, and that is going to be. Um, Homeward Bound and Incredible Inward Journey. Okay. And with that, it's going to be a six-hour, one-day virtual retreat where I'm uh, working with people who have had the experience that they feel that they don't belong or they don't fit in. And often, the, those people in these kind of lifestyles or discovering that they are part of these lifestyles have that experience. That sure. I don't fit in. I, I don't belong i don't feel lovable or acceptable and working with them to ultimately create a, a a feeling of home within themselves and a feeling of belonging within themselves so by the by the end of our time together you can go anywhere that you want in the world and feel that you're at home and mm. regardless of who or is or isn't around you feel that you belong
1: nice yeah. yeah, and well, and obviously, you don't have to have a an alternative bent to to need that 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 training. You,
2: you, you don't. Uh, you, you, you can be a a a, a vanilla um, heterosexual monogamous person, you know, and, and they'll be just as valuable for you because right. there there is so much othering that is out there that um, we can all feel like we don't belong at times.
1: Right. So what kind of audiences are you besides the, the, where you go and make people uncomfortable? What are your, (laughs) what are your uh, the audiences you want to reach?
2: Well, the audiences that I would love to reach are those who are wanting to go, go deeper in their aspiration of, of their, of their love. And, um, what it is that they have with themselves of really who they are, um, yeah. Self-love in a safe space is a is a beautiful way to go and put it. Okay. Because uh, one one of the things that uh, I can say is my superpower is being able to work with someone who's uncomfortable in the in the realm of sex or sexual expression and help bring them to a place where. They feel that they belong, are accepted, and loved through my unconditional embrace of their authentic sexuality.
1: Okay. I'm making notes for the show notes. Oh, sure. Oh. That's good. That's really... Say say that again.
2: Oh, sure. So my superpower is I'm able to help bring someone who is uncomfortable with sex to a place where they feel that they belong are loved and accepted through my unconditional embrace of their authentic sexuality.
1: Nice. Okay. Uh, And their authentic sexuality. Wow. You know, I can see, uh, a lot of people going, hmm, <laughs> that's definitely a, something that'll attract the right people for sure. Uh, what What else? Uh, what else should we know about uh, you and your your practice that you're that you're here and now?
2: Sure. Um, so, one of the things that I'd like to go and share about is that there is more than just it's more than just me in in my own singular practice, that uh, last year I did found my nonprofit, Enlightened Consent Foundation, and we're out to cause a paradigm shift in how humanity relates to sexuality and sexual expression. Our explicit mission is to provide transformative experiences and supportive resources to those who um, who identify as kinky, polyamorous or lgbtq plus so they get to experience being completely seen honored and loved nice part of the reasons why i choose those um particular demographics is i'm in the venn diagram in the middle of all of those okay uh, i'm uh, I identify as being uh, queer gender fluid and uh what that means for me is that I have a strong feminine side and a, as well as a strong masculine side. And I get to honor both of those and, and you know, present either masculine or feminine, depending upon how I'm feeling at the day and, and fluidly go back and forth between them. Uh, I, I'm also uh, into BDSM. I am a switch. So I am both on the, the dominant side and also on the submissive side of things. So I can, speak from experience for both of those and uh, i'm also polyamorous uh one of the things that i learned uh the hard way from being with my ex-wife was that there is a a, a spectrum just like how people are heterosexual to homosexual oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that there is also a separate spectrum people being monogamous by nature on one side and being monogamous non-monogamous by nature on the other side of the spectrum And um, my wife was on the monogamous side of the spectrum. I was on the non-monogamous side of the spectrum. And I got to see that when we were in a monogamous structure, I became miserable. Uh, And when we opened that up so I could be what I needed, she became miserable and unhappy.
1: And, of course, it is a spectrum and there are places nobody, you know, you don't have to be at one end or the other. You can be and you can move around. You can be.
2: You can move around. Yeah. You know, and uh, sometimes there's uh, a parsing apart between what is it of where we think we are, uh, or what is it that we taught that we we should be, and finding what is it that my authentic truth is. What is it that my heart and soul crave, want, and desire?
1: And perhaps in five years, I'll want to be a little bit different.
2: Yes, this is all about an evolution. Yeah. you know it's not that you know you're this one thing and only this one thing and it's going to be that way for the rest of your life there there's always an expansion that is part of the reason why in the in the kink realm people are able to go and come together and renegotiate at any point even if you're in long-standing um, DS relationships with one another you, you can always renegotiate and be like this is, this is shifted this has changed for me.
1: Well, and here's one thing that I, I really, I find refreshing about the and I'm, that's just the easiest word for me, alternative lifestyles or communities, is that a lot of it is truly refreshing in the things they're willing to talk about. But the flip side of that is just like every other community, they have their own foibles and their own um, politics and their own. Uh, blindsidedness, perhaps, or into, even even a tolerant community has its own intolerances. This is very true. Yeah.
2: A, a, and one of the things that I also learned, because when I first started in this 18 years ago, I, I thought they were all lumped together yeah. and being like, no, no, no they're not. Ooh. And being like, those who are LGBTQ+, they have th- their own um, social, social standings uh, and expectations. Those who are in the, the, the kink realm, uh, they have their own um, social expectations and ways of going being. And then those who are um, in the ethically non-monogamous polyamorous realm, they have their own way of going doing
1: things. And don't ever assume anything. <laughs> it, but be willing it, to talk it, about it right yeah.
2: and you know we are as a society and where uh, the younger generations are going a lot more into greater nuances of, of how they're identifying like over 50 percent of people under 17 i think are identifying as like uh, some kind of um queer or, or non-standard identity and being able to have all these different nuances of being like, instead of visually looking at a person and being like, okay, based on how I see you and how you're dressed, you're this, 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 this. Being like, you have to actually ask.
1: Well, and part of that is that unlike previous generations, they have there's options out there that that you know that I never heard of when I was a kid. Certainly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I had I had gay friends in high school but I, it certainly never would have never came up in junior high or elementary school like it does now uh high school is when we figured all that stuff out, and things are different now. I have friends with with uh twins who are now different genders from each other- identical twins who are now different genders from each other mm-hmm. and and you know and they're they're not in high they're not high school age yet
2: right and yeah this is one of the things that i will say that this has been around and has been so for oh sure for yeah. for, for, for for a long 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 time i mean y- y- there have been um there have been transgender um people throughout history basically, of course, for, for of thousands course. of years uh though the social acceptability and a willingness to go and actually accept and talk about these things rather than trying to do, force them to conform to a a binary expression to fit in and survive is a much newer thing.
1: Right. Well, and the flip side is true. Just because there was a Boudicca who was an amazing warrior queen doesn't mean she couldn't have been a straight woman who identified as a straight woman. You know, I mean, the, 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 the uh, behaviors don't go with the labels, correct Yeah, you know, the, the it's, it's all about in who you know in, who you are inside that now people are able to talk about right which is mostly a good thing mostly a good thing yes yeah
2: <laughs> uh, and for me it's about getting to be in that um discovery of who am i now who am i deciding to be what is it that i want in this now and having it be okay for it to be potentially something different than what I used to want or used to desire.
1: Sure. Well, and now, I mean, this is going to be a, con- here's a controversial question. Eco. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that I notice, and, and sometimes it's why there are some people who just feel like everybody has to know, you know, what, what is, what is that impetus that, that it's like, everybody needs to know that I'm this label. That I'm this thing, whereas, yeah, I mean, I was never, I never felt the need to declare my labels. Hmm. Well,
2: so, what I think I'm hearing the question is, is why are, are there some people that want to be so so out and open, and others don't? Or
1: yeah, well, I mean, people? why it doesn't affect anybody but the people in their personal life that some, for example, that somebody's bisexual. Mm-hmm. You're married, you come and then all of a sudden you're telling everybody you're bisexual. It's like, uh, are you are you opening up your marriage to your gender to to not, you know, and the usually the answer is no. Usually it's I'm in a monogamous relationship with my spouse, but I want you to know I'm bi. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I'm. And again, that's why I say it may be controversial. Why do I well, why do I care? Why do I need to know about that?
2: it's a a complex uh, answer to a a seemingly simple question
1: yeah no I know it's complex
2: (laughs) and there are a number of reasons why people decide to be out Um, one of the ways uh, one of the reasons I can go and say is that um, people want to be honored and recognized who it is that they see themselves now and, and can look to to be in in support and find camaraderie with that, and people wouldn't otherwise know unless you actually went and told them. And being like, "Hey, I this is how I identify, and I want to be around other people who are either supportive of that or are like me, so I can talk about uh, so I can talk about these things with them because you know, there are some." Challenges that the LGBTQ plus community has that if you're a a a straight cis person, you don't have to go and deal with. You know, I I I know for myself, like some of the the first times where I was um dressing in feminine clothing out in public and going coming to a, a your typical restroom that is gendered of being like, you know males here females here and being like okay i was born in a male body i'm presenting feminine which one do i actually use
1: yeah and, i can see how that could be an issue i i but i mean again it, this didn't hasn't happened to me personally i've seen it more in advice columns and stuff if my friend's wife decides it, or tells everybody it's important that she's bi it doesn't change my relationship with her that's great
2: that it doesn't with you and there are some people who will have a very visceral reaction.
1: Yeah, to, I guess so.
2: To actually being like that, and um, you know, if you're, if you happen to be like, for example, a closeted gay person, and um, there is, is someone or, or, you know, a small group of people who are always, you know, making gay jokes or oh, yeah. going, no, or, I'm, I'm, or going bashing on them. Yeah. It, it's like being able to actually speak up and say, hey, I'm actually within this group and, you know, we're not that way and being able to actually um, speak up is something that can be very powerful.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm definitely not advocating somebody not be who they are. I guess Mm -hmm. more of the question is just, and, and the truth is it does, it it seems sometimes it's they're doing it just to be the center of attention as opposed to, and I'm not talking about somebody who's closeted. I'm absolutely not talking about somebody being their authentic self. I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, you know, I'm married to this guy. I have no intention of having extramarital sex with anybody of any gender but, oh, by the way, I like women, too. Mm-hmm. It, to me, that's just, you know, again, so now I can say, isn't she a hot chick? And you can agree. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't change your life. It doesn't change my life. It, uh, you're not changing. You're not going to become anything. I, again, I, I just it just sometimes it seems that it's a self-fulfill. It's if it makes you happy to come out and do you then, okay,
2: fine. And something that comes up for me as you're restating this question is that, once again, it goes back to the the communication, having discussion being like, hey, I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that with me. Thank you for the courage of that. Thank you for trusting me with that information that you may not share with anyone. I'm curious, why was this important for you to go and share with
1: me? Right, yeah, what do you want me to do with that?
2: (laughs) And, And and you know, for I, I'm imagining, as you brought up the same example, similar times, you may have had this similar. You know, this no, I've just read I this more
1: than once. I've read this more than once in some of the advice columns. Hmm. And you know, how do I handle the people who, who now are you know who, who tell me that's wrong? It's like, well, if you you knew when you said it that somebody was going to give you friction about it
2: maybe, maybe. I, and i yeah. i i I can't speak to the the ultimate motivations um for those people right um you it was
1: probably it was unfair to ask the question the way I did it just it just again I read a lot of um advice columns in slate and and a lot of them have have gone in that direction lately over the last few years and, and I guess you know what it's the same um it's not the it's it's similar to people who are adopted and are and are desperate to have find some connection to their birth families mm-hmm. it's it's about who you see it, who you see yourself as and what you need to be a complete person inside so that you can be a complete person to everybody else and so and and again it becomes a you do you thing
2: and that's and... the add to go in going to take overall is like hey you know if you this is part of how you identify and this is what makes you happy and feel whole and complete beautiful in general i am supportive uh, of that
1: yeah and that's where i come from i come from i'm i'm i support you being you i'm not sure why i why i need to care about that or know about that but maybe that's too much information for me but i don't it doesn't change how i feel about you
2: yeah, and it may not have that much of a, a visceral impact on your life. What I can go and say is that there is a universal need to, uh, to be understood. And uh, for something that someone is either admitting to themselves or discovering about themselves, often it can be like, Hey, I'm really excited. I, I'm actually discovering this about, this about myself, and I want to tell other people this is what I'm discovering about myself, in part from what I imagined uh, looking to go and uh, fulfill that need to be understood, being like, "I just understood this about myself. I would like you to understand this about me, even if it doesn't really impact our direct relationship with each other.
1: Right. Okay. Well, and, and you know, it may be this is going too far but it may be like somebody saying, well, you know, I happen to be a switch and I'm into BDSM. I just wanted you to know. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, oh, oh, okay. Thank you for the information. Right. right. I mean, are you asking me to part? No, I'm not asking you to participate. I'm just, just figured you should know since you're my friend. Okay. Hmm. Thanks. I mean, <laughs> really.
2: and just being heard can, can be very liberating just being able to be like, I can go and actually talk about this and I don't have to keep it buried in secret. I'm not bad, evil, vile, wrong. Thank you for that. Having that.
1: I think that's, yeah, that's, that's worth saying again. Yeah. That for like, some people that declaring it really is, be- is, is beneficial to them to be able to declare it without being judged or put down or anything else.
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I I remember uh, a little over three years ago, about three and a half years ago at this point, for when I was in the personal growth program uh, in a communications course. And with that, uh, at the very end of the course, I did something very unusual for me uh, at that point in my life is I actually shaved off the beard that I'd had for over four years. Okay. And uh, I put on a, a skirt and a blouse and penny hose. And I, I went to the, the completion of that event dressed uh, femininely for the first time um in public wow which i was terrified by that sure and and i had no idea how people would react and i i literally when i went to go and show myself off and and like stood up at the mic to go and speak i literally got a standing ovation and yeah it it was absolutely amazing to have that kind of validation and appreciation of, of a part of myself that i was starting to embrace for the first time in my adult life and it is, it was so valuable to me to see, to have that kind of public acknowledgement of being like, yeah, that this was actually okay.
1: And, and, and congratulations on finding the right community where you felt comfortable doing that, even though you were nervous. But the truth is, you found the right community for that to happen for you. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. And yeah, having. Having a supportive environment is really key. I found to oh yeah, and and,
1: and and I was you know I was make trying to be a little bit of a rabble rouser earlier, but the truth is, I'm super grateful that I'm one of those people that folks feel comfortable coming out to in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's I used to be married or I used you know whatever it is, people come up, come out to me about themselves because they understand that they get a vibe that I'm somebody who's not going to change how I feel about them because of whatever it is. And, and I'm grateful that that, that that's who I am and people recognize that uh, it makes my world a richer place.
2: It, it does. And that is actually how in part, I, I kind of fell into the relationship coaching that I've been doing for over a decade because I had grown myself to be able to, cultivate that feeling of safety around me to the point where I kept having person after person go and say I've never shared this before with anyone and, da, 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 and they, yeah. they start sharing some of their their most you know intimate desires of their heart and their truths.
1: All right so how do people reach out to eco?
2: Sure uh, So uh, first off you can go to my um, personal uh, website which is enlightenedconsent.net. Uh, if you want to find out more about my nonprofit, uh, the Enlightened Consent Foundation, uh, that is
1: enlightenedconsent.org.
2: Um, okay. Uh, um, you, do you,
1: you have can... a, a, any like free, you know, like material for informational material for people to tap into?
2: Uh, yes, I, I do. Um, I, I actually have a checklist for people um, that I can uh, go and provide, uh, the link for, uh, which that is a a checklist for getting to know, um, your current desires. Yeah. Put
1: that in the chat and I can share it with the show notes, Mm -hmm. but can they get it through the enlightened consent website? Also
2: Uh, through the enlightened consent website. I think the current promotion I have going on with them right now is, um, As part of the mystic side, um, I do actually tarot readings as well. Okay. And so they can get a free 30-minute tarot reading um, with me uh, to actually delve into what it is that they want and need in uh, uh, what may be blocking them in their love life at this point.
1: Eco at enlightenedconsent.net? Actually, if you just...
2: Email me at enlightenedconsent at gmail.com is okay. the best email address for me.
1: Okay. And I'm going to encourage you to, to to call your web person today and get eco at enlightenedconsent.net to forward to your Gmail.
2: Okay. Thank you for the recommendation. <laughs>
1: for that. Um, and what a great episode this was. Thank you.
2: You're very welcome. It's, um, it's been an honor and I've really enjoyed this time with you, Jeff.
1: Good. And we'll, uh, we'll let you know when we're, when it's going up live as a podcast and, uh, the recording will be available for the, for all time after that. Yeah, Thanks, man. You're very welcome.
0: Thanks for joining us on Behind the Lectern. You can find an archive of our episodes at behindthelectern.com. You can also access useful speaking information at speakercoop.com forward slash education. Join us next time for another great speaker journey with an expert and our host, Jeff Klein. We'll catch you next time.